Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you made your way today to dredhill.podbean.com, the home of This Week in the Word. Well, the title for today's episode for Sunday, November 14th, 2021, is Matthew's Messiah, See Jesus Again for the Very First Time. You know, when I was younger, I think it was back in the 70s, there was a cereal commercial on TV. I think it was for oatmeal or something. I can't remember exactly, but the tagline in the commercial was, taste it again or try it again for the very first time. I tried to locate what product that was, but no luck. (laughs) But anyway, that always intrigued me. You know, try it again for the very first time. You know, in spiritual matters, they're a lot like other matters in life. Sometimes we see something or think we see it once and assume that we've seen it completely. And yet, I believe that Jesus, Matthew's Messiah, deserves a closer look. We need to look again more closely at Jesus Christ because too often, especially if we are not yet a Christian, too often we see him through lenses of culture or religion or our upbringing or our own experiences, and these tend to distort our perception of who Jesus really is. Many years ago, a couple decades ago, one American president, and I won't mention his name, went to the Korean demilitarized zone that separates North and South Korea. This is in the 90s, and he was shown on video using Army field binoculars so he could see across to the North Korean side. There was only one problem. The video clearly showed the lens caps still on the binocs, but he kept on looking, pretending to see the North Koreans while soldiers just stared at him. Don't be that guy. (laughs) We ought to take the advice of, of that old TV commercial, try it again for the very first time. Now, today we will be as it were, it would be like visiting a museum we've been to before, you know, when we're looking at the Lord today in Matthew. But many times we can visit a museum and we we see the paintings of the masters and we begin to just see them in, in one way. We take them for granted thinking, well, I've seen all there is to see. You would be wrong. If you will go back to that museum other times and look at the paintings of the masters, you will begin to see them in a a newer and deeper way each time. There's so much there. Trust me on that. And it's exactly the same way with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to listen today, especially if you think you know who Jesus is, that you've got him all sized up, you're sure who he is, and maybe you don't have any time for him in your life. Or you may even say you do, but the truth is you really don't. Well, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to look at every verse, 1 through 34, and this won't take forever, trust me, 
But this you need to know before we go there. The flow of Matthew chapter 20 is flowing from Matthew 19. (laughs) Well, duh, Pastor Ed. Yeah, okay, I get it. But Peter asked a question in Matthew 19 in verses 27 to 30, right after the one called the rich young ruler went away sorrowful because the Lord challenged him to turn his back on the wealth that was separating him from Jesus. That was that young man's particular problem. And Jesus told him what to do about it, but he went away sorrowful because he had a lot of wealth and he wasn't willing to part with it. In other words, that wealth was way more important to him than Jesus Christ. And the disciples were just shocked at everything that happened. And the Lord has said, hey, it's, it's very hard, almost impossible for a person who has riches to enter into heaven. You see, the way these disciples looked at it, they thought, well, he has everything. Surely God must be blessing him. If he's not going, who can go? And Jesus said, well, with men, it's impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible, right? You remember that? Now, let's reread Peter's question here. So right after that the, that episode and the Lord answers uh, their exasperation about who can be saved if that guy can't, look at verse 27 in Matthew 19. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, We have forsaken all and follow thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. Now let's go right into Matthew 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, and that was, would be the working man's rate, I mean, it's it it what was expected, it was right, uh, with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. And when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, 
beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. Now there are many things we could say about this parable. And as we think about seeing the Lord again for the first time, the first thing we look at here is his parable. This is what I pull out of this parable. Jesus will do what he promises. Amen? He promises that it will be worth it to follow him and even suffer for him. And Jesus will do what he promises. Here's another one. Those who serve Jesus Christ will be rewarded. Now, I don't know exactly how that will be for me or for you or for someone we know, perhaps differently. We know we have eternal life. We know we have heaven. What else there may be, I believe, will probably be individually suited to what will just surprise and and wow us, right? And notice this, how he rewards is his choice. Think about that. So that's what I get there, and other commentators probably have other things, but those are the things I want to emphasize because they actually come right out of chapter 19 that, that he will take care of us. But Pastor Ed, sometimes it's so hard to be a Christian. Hey, just get through this life and go to heaven and you won't be singing the blues anymore, right? Jesus will do what he promises. Those who serve Jesus Christ will be rewarded and how he rewards is his choice. So we've seen his parable. Here now is his prediction. Let's go to Matthew 20 verses 17 to 19. And Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the 12 disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Now Jesus said this about himself. His prediction 
is that that he will be betrayed. He will be, um, be betrayed under the chief priests and the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. He would be delivered to the Gentiles, that's the non-Jews, which are the Romans who are occupying Israel, that they would mock and scourge and crucify him. And when you were crucified, the only way you got off the cross was you were dead and he would die. So that's what he's saying. And the third day he shall rise again. You know what? This is his prediction. And every single thing happened just like he said it would happen. And these were things beyond his control. For example, there were other ways to be killed, but he said he would be crucified. He said he would rise again on the third day. He didn't rise on the second. He didn't rise on the fourth or the first, and he didn't stay dead. He rose again on the what? Third day. And we see that he would be betrayed. He couldn't make Judas betray him. Judas was only too happy to do so because he was going to be paid. And it would be to the chief priest, not just the priest, the chief priest. This would involve the, the one who was the power behind the throne, the current high priest. This would, this would be fulfilled literally and they shall condemn him to death, which is exactly what they did. Everything he predicted happened. Now, there were many who were going up to Jerusalem at this time. There were, Pastor Ed, absolutely. It was Passover. Passover was coming up at the end of the, the week ahead. And it was said by those who know about these kind of things that at Passover, as many as something like a million Jewish people would be in Jerusalem for the Passover, and they came from all over the world. So many were going up to Jerusalem. That wasn't unusual because it was a Passover. And you know why they were going? To offer sacrifices at the temple. But only one was going up to Jerusalem to be the Passover sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to know this, that after, after this chapter, Matthew 20, then you're going to get right into what we call the Passion Week. So this is days away. It is about to happen. And he wants them to understand. But you know what? We know from the Gospels <clears throat> that even though he told them this and they heard him and they sort of, sort of acknowledged it, they just didn't quite understand it. They didn't get it. And I'm going to prove that here in just a moment. So we see his parable and his prediction. Are you getting a new light on the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you realize that anyone who could predict what Jesus did, and it happened just like he said in that sequence, that would have to be God? Is that dawning on you? Maybe you're from a Hindu aspect, or you're Muslim, or you are uh, Jewish, or Buddhist, or an atheist, or whatever you are, or aren't. 
you're looking at someone who is absolutely unique based even just on these three verses we just read, his prediction. Now, let's see his pattern. That is, how, what, how did he conduct himself in his earthly ministry? And we're going to see here that what he told them about the, his prediction, they just didn't get it. And here's where I'm going to prove that to you. Because we see his pattern in Matthew 20, verses 20 to 28. <clears throat> so Jesus is telling them, we're going up to Jerusalem and I'm going to die, but I'll rise again the third day. They should have gotten it, but they didn't. He's focusing on these massive events that are about to happen, but let me show you where they were in Matthew 20, starting in verse 20. Let's see his pattern. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons. So this is the mother of the apostle James and the apostle John, these two disciples. And Zebedee was their father. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. That's a pretty quick answer, wasn't it? And he saith unto them, ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. So, the Lord, in his prediction, is talking about his coming death and resurrection. And they are trying to make sure that they get a great spot in the kingdom of God, like it's some political kingdom. Wow. But we do the same thing. We are so worried about our position and life like where we work or in the church we attend or our status in the garden club if any of you belong to the garden club we're so worried about what people think about us on social media and what our classmates at school think and our family thinks and all of that and we're always if we're not careful angling for a a really nicely featheredness in this life. And that's not what Jesus is focused on. Now, I know for those of us uh, who've been born in America and blessed to live here, and our Christian experience is pretty much largely limited to Christianity as it is known in America and we have suffered almost not at all 
and are only beginning to suffer a tiny bit compared to the suffering of the world at large, those who love Jesus and what they go through all over the world, even to the point of having their homes burned, their lives threatened, even being burned to death, beaten to death, beheaded, murdered in various atrocious ways, even their children murdered. And all we can focus on sometimes is things in this life. (laughs) And the Lord just, I think he, he must have been shaking his head a little bit, maybe, to get that kind of request. And he wants to bring them to reality. You know, I think reality is great therapy. You should try it sometime. (laughs) James was the first apostle who was martyred not very long after this. There wouldn't be any sitting on the right or left hand of the Lord in an earthly kingdom. James paid for his testimony of the resurrected Christ with his life. And he was happy to do so because he knew that death could not hold him just like it could not hold the Lord Jesus. John, his brother, survived many, many years. And we know from the from Fox's Book of Martyrs that I encourage every serious Christian to read at least a little bit of, that John was condemned by the Nero of his day to be boiled in oil. And they threw him in and he could not be killed. Now that's not in the Bible, but Fox's Book of Martyrs records that. And you know what? I believe it. John had a mission still to do. And John was not martyred first or second. And even when they tried to martyr him, it didn't take. You know why? Jesus had a different plan for John. Now, he would not sit on the right or left hand in a political earthly kingdom of the Lord either. But he would go on to live to old age. And he wrote the Gospel of John that some consider to be the deepest gospel of the mystery of Christ. He also authored the letters of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But he also was privileged by the Lord Jesus Christ to write the book of the Revelation while he was a prisoner of Rome on the Isle of Patmos, a prison colony island where people were sent to die. They would be worked to death, literally. And the Lord gave John the vision, and he wrote the book of the Revelation. So two different destinies, neither had it easy, I can assure you of that. Now, you can imagine among the disciples who were very competitive types, most of them, several of them, 
Look in verse 24. Just imagine the effect this had on them. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. <laughs> and people say the Bible isn't true. Hey, that's a true verse right there. Let me tell you. When they heard about what the mother of James and John had tried to arrange for James and John, they blew their gaskets. They flipped their wig. <laughs> they were incensed, enraged against James and John. Now, for those of you who sometimes think, oh, what it would have been like to be a disciple and be with the Lord, and life was so perfect in the early church, hey, get real. <laughs> this, is, this is only days away from the upper room experience the betrayal of Christ, the trials, the scourging, the mocking, the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and they are flipping out in anger with James and John. <laughs> Verse 25, But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. That is the idea of a servant, like a slave. Verse 27, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant even as the Son of Man, talking about himself, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So we see the pattern of the Lord right here. And it was an entirely different pattern than that upon which the disciples were operating, at least right here. And I think it humbled them and brought them down to size. Now, let's apply this in a different way right here. Do you know what a good test of a potential pastor is? Let's say your church is trying to bring a new pastor, or you are in between churches and you're visiting churches to discern where the Lord would have you worship and serve. So, you still have to size up pastors and churches and a staff, right? Well, here's a good test. It's not the only one, but this is a good one. Will he do what others won't at the church building and for the church body? If he won't help because it's somebody else's job or it's too beneath him, he's not a servant and you need to keep looking. Wow. So in taking a, a fresh look at the Lord Jesus Christ, looking at Jesus again for the very first time, we've seen his parable that he told. We've seen his prediction. We've seen his pattern that we've just seen right here. And now we're going to close with his pity. Now this just amazes me. Let's read in Matthew 20 and verse 29 to 34. 
And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Now they were essentially calling him here the Messiah. Get it? And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them. That word compassion there, you could use the English word pity. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. You know, unlike the rich young ruler, I mean, they had enough sense to follow Jesus, right? This is the pity of Christ. Jesus, why do I emphasize that? And and why do I think Matthew does so right here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? This is what I think. Jesus in the very next chapter, you know how I know that? I looked. (laughs) Jesus in the very next chapter will ride into Jerusalem officially fulfilling the messianic prophecy of Zechariah by riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, and it would be on the very exact day that the Bible predicted that he would present himself as the Messiah to the Jewish people. And I don't have time to go into that, but you can study the prophet Daniel and you will be shocked that what I just said is true. And he will cleanse his father's house from being a den of religious financial thieves and cleanse it so that it should be a house of prayer for all nations. And he will go through all the events of Passion Week, including rising physically victorious over death. And yet he stops to heal these two blind men. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, Jesus has already healed probably thousands of people already before this, including blind people. This was not some especially miraculous event that had not already been seen repeatedly. So it wasn't like, I've got to stop and do this to fulfill prophecy. This had already been done many times. But he he heard them. And he asked them, what would you like me to do? And they wanted to be able to see again physically. And he healed them. The pity, his pity that he had on them. And you know what? That he has on us. Listen, 
we see Jesus again for the very first time, and you gotta love Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Now, some of you, many of you are already Christians. I hope this has built you up in your faith in Christ. But some of you might not be Christians yet, or you're not sure. I want you to write down this phone number, 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. Now, you won't be calling me, but if you call that number, someone will talk with you about having Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out instead of continuing to follow Satan and being condemned to an eternal hell that you're already bound for right now, you can get off of that road and you can follow Jesus Christ like those two blind men did and be welcome into heaven and in an eternity with God. Maybe you're too shy to call. Visit www.chataboutjesus.com chataboutjesus.com and someone will chat with you about this. Listen, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on Jesus Christ today, my friends, and be saved. And if you're already a Christian, continue in the Word of God, learning from it, and you can always visit here every week. And I encourage you not only to read your Bible, but to listen weekly and I want you to even be a missionary with me and tell others about this week in the Word that they might listen as well and they might grow in their knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and how He would have them live. Thank you again for listening. Please follow and subscribe to this podcast and you'll be notified every week when a new episode is posted. And also share it right now from this app to others that you would like to listen to it on social media and by email. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.